Heavenly Father, you are high and lifted up, shining the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love as we sing, holy, holy, holy. We do want to see you. We, we are so grateful that we have this to look forward to. That if we would follow you, that we would accept your loving embrace, that we would be able to spend forever and eternity with you. We thank you for just being with us, strengthening and molding us into your image, giving us a message to give to others so that they also might be able to have hope. Help us to live every moment of our lives thinking about what you've done for us in giving you the glory. That we would look forward to the day that we will get to, to see you and worship you face to face and just, uh, just bask in, in all the things that you are. Father, we're so grateful. We're so thankful. Father, as we open up the sacred text here this morning, won't you speak to us through your word? not just for our head knowledge, but so that we would know you better. And also so that we don't keep it to ourselves, but we would be on fire to go share it with others. Speak to us here today. Father, I just ask you to give me the words to say and how to say it. Hide me behind the cross so people might see more of you and less of me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. My Lord, my strength, and my redeemer, whom I trust. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning again, family. It's, it's so good to be here. Um, I had the pleasure of uh, going, uh, taking a quick trip out of town to go in to see some of my frat brothers. We're celebrating an anniversary together, and it's been, it's weird to have relationships over 30 years. Some of you are not yet 30 years old, and, <laughs> and some of you are beyond that. But as I'm, we're looking back and, and going through and looking back and, and seeing the friendships and the bonds that we've created over the years is, is, is really impactful. And, you know, we already get together and like without missing a beat, you know, we, we get together and just have, start having conversations and uh, sit down. And it's like, well, catch us up. What, what have you been up to over the past 10, 20 years and, and so on? And just hearing what's, what's happening in their lives. And then we start the reminiscing. You remember that time? You remember what we did and they said and this happened? And it's amazing, uh, you, you all haven't known me quite that long, but I haven't always been a pastor. And uh, these guys have the receipts for, you know, the, the things that we did, the stupid decisions that we made, um, the, the places we were that we had no business being, and all those things. But it was good to have a conversation about, remember that time and when we were kids and we did these things, and then... We, we're at the here and now, we're in the present, and we look back and say, man, look how far we've come. You know, we were just dumb kids doing dumb things, and now look, look where we are, you know, professionals and entrepreneurs, doctors, lawyers, uh, engineers, all these different things with families, <laughs> the things that we couldn't have imagined years ago. Uh, in the church, we call this a testimony. When we look back on, on the times before we found Christ, and then we, our encounter with Christ and what he's done, and how far 
Christ has brought us, what, what God has done for us in our lives. Uh, when I was growing up, we called that a testimony. This, this morning in the book of Acts, we'll be in chapter 26, and we're going to get to hear Paul tell us about his own testimony. And, and I want to tell you, there is power in your testimony. And, and I want you to be fixated on this. I want you to be thinking about this as we go through, as we hear Paul, and, and he tells us about who he was, his encounter with Christ, and what Christ did for him, where Christ took him. I want you to be thinking about yourself. I want you to be thinking about your story. Where were you if, if you're older than 30 years old? Where were you 30 years ago? And if you're younger than 30 years, where were you 10, 5 years ago? Five or ten. Right? Think back to where you were, your encounter with Christ, and what Christ has done for you in your life. We'll come back to that. But I want to remind you in Acts chapter 9 and 15, uh, Jesus uh, tells Paul his mission, and it says, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine. Carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel. This is what Jesus tells Paul. This is, this is your job. This is how I'm going to use you. And this is foretelling what is about to happen in Paul's life. Our text this morning in Acts 26 shows the fulfillment of Jesus' promise that, that Paul would be a witness before kings. Agrippa was considered to be an authority on Jewish religion, and he would be responsible for putting together the official papers as Paul and goes uh, to Rome to, to be tried. And Paul is given another opportunity or an apologia, which means a defense, and he uses it to give a testimony and share the gospel. Most people in this situation, they're going to try to defend themselves. They're going to try to say, hey, that wasn't me. It's a mistaken identity, whatever the case may be. But Paul, being the super evangelist, he takes that opportunity to go and share the gospel. Look with me in Acts 26. We'll start here in verse 1. Here God's word reads. So Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and made, a def made his defense. He says, I consider myself fortunate that, is, that I, I, it is before you, King Agrippa. I am able or I'm going to make my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews, especially because you are familiar with the customs and controversies of the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. We'll pause there for a second. Paul opens up and he shows some respect to King Agrippa. He goes and he has respect for that office, and even though the person holding that office might not necessarily be deserving of that respect, he knows and understands that uh, he's been, uh, the, the king has been put there for a reason. And like I talked about earlier, God is in everything that there is, even, even putting these government officials in the place that they hold. One of my favorite verses you should remember 1 Peter 3 and 15. It says, always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. This is, that's 
part. Always be ready. If you are a Christ follower, be ready to give a defense, to tell somebody. If they ask you, why do you go to church? Why do you waste your time? You could be out on the golf course, course, you could be wherever else, you could be sleeping in. Why do this? Be ready to give defense to anyone who asks for the hope that, that lies within you. Yet, do it with gentleness and respect. Sometimes we forget that part. We forget about the gentleness and respect part. When we think about defense, we want to we jump up and, and, and poke our chest out and ball our fists up. That's, that's what we think about defense, but that's not always how it looks. When, when we're giving an account for, for the reason for the hope that we have within us, we do, we do so with gentleness and respect. You catch more flies with honey. They're, they're not ready. To you. Once you get defensive, then they get defensive, and nobody listens to nobody. And that's not where we want to be. But look how look at how Paul does it. I mean, he he's in a world of hurt, all this trouble. He's in front of the king. He shouldn't have to be there, but he has respect for this office. And he has this softened tone. He, he took some of the bass out of his voice so that he can get his point across. What we say is often more important than how we say it. But our tone and our delivery matters to God. And we, we often forget about that as we're having these conversations, but everything, including our tone and delivery, matters to God. So we need to keep this in mind as we are sharing our opinions about our local, state, and federal government. We need to keep in mind that God is the one ultimately who allowed them to, to be in the positions that they are and say what you want about our government. But Paul shows us here how we should be addressing them, how we should be talking about our government. We should blend truthfulness with tenderness and courage with compassion. I mean, we see this every day. Everybody's yelling back and forth at one another, and nobody's paying attention to the, to the other. And we're getting nowhere. Let's go back to verse 4. This is my manner of life from the youth spent from the beginning among my own nation and in Jerusalem is known by all the Jews. They have known for a long time if they were willing to testify that according to the strictest uh, party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand here on trial because my hope in the promise made by God to our fathers, to which our 12 tribes hope to attain as they earnestly worship night and day. And for this hope, I, was, I am accused by Jews, O king. Why, why is it thought incredible by any means of you that God raises the dead? I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in uh, opposing the name of Jesus, Christ, or Jesus of Nazareth. And I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints, in prison after receiving authority from the, the chief priest, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them, punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme and in raging fury against them. I persecuted them even to foreign cities. Here's Paul is recounting, hey, here's where I came from. Here where I, here's where I was. Here's the guy that I used to be. 
here's I, I was on the same side. I understand what the Jews are doing. I understand what they're trying to say. I understand what they're trying to accomplish because I was doing the same thing. I, I was just like them. Again, when I was growing up, churches used to have testimony services. This is where we'd, we'd get together and people would stand up in front and talk about how good God has been to them. They would go and say, I was, I was sick or I lost my job and, or somebody did these things to me. I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know how I was going to pay my electricity bill. I didn't know how I was going to find another job. All these things, but, but God, he showed up. And he encouraged me and he, he strengthened me and he, he gave me courage. I, I poured myself into the word. I, I poured myself into prayer. And we, we all got together as a body of believers and prayed about these things. And here I am today, able to tell you about how good God is because now I'm in a different place. God took me from this place and brought me here. Maybe it took me six months to a year to find a job, and maybe I, the job that I have is not much better than the one I lost, but I got a job. Or maybe, uh, hey, I'm still sick, and I, I got something going on in my body that I can't get rid of, but I woke up this morning. Like we sang earlier, he, he gave, the, the, gave us the breath in our lungs, and for that I'm grateful. Man, these testimony services, man. <laughs> Man, it's so good. And this is what we miss these days. When we come together for, for prayer service and talk about all the things that are going wrong, but we do a terrible job of coming back around and talking about how good God is, about how he brought us out, or, or even better, how he sustained us. And even though stuff still ain't working right, I'm not living my best life according to what the world says but I still woke up this morning. I still have brothers and sisters to be with me and encourage me and love on me. We forget about, man, maybe we should bring back testimony services. Because that encourages everybody else. Somebody is going through something or about to go through something that you've already been through and hearing your testimony would encourage them to keep on and continue. If you've watched uh, and these testimonies, I mean, it, it comes, the, the term testimony comes from, you know, a court case, a court proceeding, right? You would go and, and you would uh, be an eyewitness or you have some special information or knowledge and you sit on the court and you would give your testimony. If you watched any of the hundreds of law and order shows, <laughs> this is probably familiar to you. This person is brought into the courtroom. They're under oath. They attest to whatever they've seen as an eyewitness or know because of their particular expertise. And in the Christian world, if you've trusted in Jesus and received forgiveness for sin, then you have a Christian testimony. This testimony documents the events that leads up to your encounter with Christ and God's miraculous intervention in your life. Remember what I talked about. This is, this is who you are before. Then you have an encounter with Christ. And this is who God has made you to be. And I, I recognize not everybody has a, a, a specific or grand encounter. Maybe you believed your whole life, but you still have a testimony of what God is doing 
throughout your life. There's these three parts, and I want you to get this. There's three parts to this testimony. That's your, again, your life before Christ, your encounter to Christ, and your life after you've submitted yourself to Christ. Very important portions. If you've got, a, got, got something to write on, write that down, put it in your phone, do whatever you need to do. It's your life before Christ, your encounter with Christ, and your life after you submitted to Christ. That can comprise what your testimony is. And I don't often give you homework, but I'm going to do so today because I think it's that important for you to get this. And I want you to spend some time really thinking about this, thinking it through, and really understand, embracing this, this concept. Think right now, what was your life like before you submitted your life to Christ? Again, I, I got to relive uh, some of this. Even though I had accepted Christ, I wasn't really living for him. I, I, I called myself a Christian, but I wasn't being obedient to him in my life. And so uh, we, we, we can laugh on it now. You know, the things that I did or we did, I, I don't blame them. It wasn't me. They made me do all this stuff. But those things that, that I, I did before I fully submitted myself to Christ, and it's amazing that I'm here today. I mean, we, we, I'm sure some of you might have some similar. No, y'all have a lot better than I am. You probably don't have the same. But I, I shouldn't be here today. I mean, we put ourselves in some really dangerous situations. But who are you like? Who told you about Christ? Who was the one that set you down and told you about who Jesus is? What events led up to you trusting and believing in Christ? What was going on in your life at that time? And when did you decide to follow Christ? When, what was that moment in your life that said, I've been trying to do this on my own and I keep messing it up? but I know and understand who Christ is. I, I know that and understand that he gave up his life so that I can live and I want to give myself to him. When did you decide to make that decision? And as you're thinking about these things, as you're reminded of it, I want you to write it out. Just, just write it raw. Just stream of consciousness, just write it out. Read it, reread it, add some to it. And then once you've done that, you're like, okay, okay, I got it. I, I think I, I documented everything from that time. Now, now go in and work on it to, to form a story. What, what does that story look like? So the, the goal of this is so you can tell somebody else. And if nothing else, is you can remind yourself, again, where you came from your encounter with Christ and, and who you are today. So thinking about it in a way that you can tell somebody in three minutes or less, if you got more time, then, then you can add some of those other things. But I want you to be able to write this out and be so comfortable with it, audible ready. In sales, we call this an elevator pitch so that you can tell somebody about what God has done for you in your life. You can give them your testimony. And then once that's done, Here's some scripture that will help you because your experience is one thing, but that's not the gospel. Your experience is not the gospel. I want you to really hear this because a lot of people would say, well, I believe because of all these experiences that I have in, in my life, 
That's mysticism. That is not the gospel. The gospel is about who Jesus is and what he did for his people. So I want you to know Scripture as your, your experience is good, but Scripture is better. Scripture is the foundation for which we all stand. So as, as you're going through and understand this, here's, here's one piece that, that I want you to get. Um, understand first that, that we're all separated from God, right? So Romans 3 and 23, we have all sinned falling short of the glory of God. This, this should be like Christianity 101. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. People say, well, I'm a good person. No, you, no you're not. We could be that blunt. But yeah, but I, but I give to the PRC. And? Oh, I do all these things. I, I help people out. I, you know, I don't curse that much. No one is good. No, not one. And so that's where we start. We have to understand that there's a problem, first of all, and that problem is sin. And we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And, and next, you know, we didn't receive this forgiveness from our sin. Uh, if, we, if we didn't receive this forgiveness for sin, then we would spend eternity away from God or apart from God. So we need forgiveness. We've, we've gone away. We've uh, transgressed against God. We have broken his law. We are not being obedient to him. And so we are in need of forgiveness. So here we have Romans 6 and 23. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's a penalty. There's a debt that we need to pay for our sin. It, sticking with the, the law and being in a court courtroom, you go into the courtroom, if you commit a crime, there, there is a judgment for that crime. And, and what kind of judge, if somebody comes in front of them having committed a crime, will say, well, you know, you murdered that guy, but eh, nobody cared about that guy anyway. It's just all right. What kind of judge is that? Oh, you stole some things. I mean, it's a write-off at the end of the day. Don't worry about it. What kind of judge is that? A, 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 a righteous judge is going to, to make sure that there's, there's a penalty to be paid. And, and I mean, that we all sin, we all fall short. And the wages of sin, the penalty of that sin is death. Don't pass go, don't collect $200. The penalty for sin is death. It's that straight up. And we talk about it and we want to have these hierarchy of sins and, well, I'm not as bad as that guy. I didn't murder nobody. I just cheat on my taxes. Death. Oh, I mean, the, the, the job is not going to miss these pads that I'm taking home with me. They got plenty of them. Death. So if we first have to understand that we're sinners and there's a price that needs to be paid because of that sin. And we need to understand that because of this, 
God had his plan from the very beginning, and he sent his perfect son, Jesus, to die for our sin. God sent his son to pay for your sin, to take the brunt of what you and I have done, are going to do. Jesus took care of it. I don't know if you've been to a Starbucks and has somebody in front of you pay for your coffee or been at the restaurant and somebody's paid for you. How good is that? That's, that's, oh, wow, that's, that's cool. I should have got more. But as good as that is, that's nothing when you consider what Jesus has done for us. That's nothing in comparison What we rightly deserve is death and eternal damnation. But because of Jesus, we we have an inheritance to his kingdom. That we are adopted into his family. And that we get to live forever and eternity with him. The, The great thing about heaven is not that we get heaven, it's that we get God. That we get to be with him for forever because the alternative is being away from him, where there's hellfire, there's gnashing of teeth, there's eternal torment. This, these, this is a real thing, and you don't want to wait to get there to figure it out. So Romans 5 and 8 says, God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, This is the message of hope that people need to hear. As we're telling the people, giving them the reason for the hope that lies within us, you can say that you don't have to clean yourself up for you to start following Jesus. You don't have to be perfect. And this is what people are scared about. Well, I've just done too much. I've gone too far. I am, I'm just, I'm a lost hope. No, the blood of Jesus covers all of it. He's already taken care of it. It's a done deal. You just need to follow it. You just need to submit your life to him. There's nothing that you could have done that, that, that the blood of Jesus didn't cover while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And finally, you, re, you receive forgiveness by trusting in Christ alone for his payment of our sin. Christ alone. Acts 16 and 31, and it says, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. It seems simple, but it ain't easy. This is what you need to hear. So along with your, your experiential testimony, you're like, well, here's what matters. Here's what the book says. Here's what God says. And this is what people need to hold on to. So hopefully you jot that down. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to, to give you those verses later so you, you can ensure that you have it. And the, the reason this is important is because it helps people to understand the gospel when we explain our perspective and how we were prior to Christ and how we are once we've decided to follow him. It shows that we're not perfect. And people say, that you guys are holier than thou, you Bible thumpers or whatever the case may be. I'm not as good as you. Like, I'm not as good as you think I am, neither. I mess up all the time. But God continuously 
picks me up. And even though I am not good in my own self, God is good. Even before he was an apostle, this, this super evangelist that we're talking about, he was enemy number one to Christians. He used to actively hunt, hunt down. This is what he just talked about. How, hey, I was just like these Jews. I, I, as a matter of fact, I would go and try to find them, and I would persecute them, i kill them, and i stand by, and then after that was done, i go to the next one. That's who Paul used to be. And if he can do it for Paul, there's hope for us. There's a lot of hope for us. And then Paul, he, he tells us all this and, until he encounters Christ. He, then he tells us about his experience. Look with me in verse 12. And it says, in this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and the commission of the chief priests. And at midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when, uh, when we had fallen to the ground, I heard this voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Paul has this down. He's like, here's who I used to be. Here's all the dirt that I did. Then here I am walking on a Damascus road and this encounter with Jesus Christ happens. Jesus confronts him and changes him. Most of us don't have this, this experience anywhere close to what Paul is experiencing, but being transparent with this person that you're talking to, family member, friend, whomever it might be, when you're, whoever you're sharing your testimony with, sharing your perspective of who you were. Again, you're not a good person. And what happened along the way, that, that's powerful. Like, okay, well, I understand. Yeah, not, not only Paul, they, they, they might even not know and understand who Paul or Saul is, but they know you. They're like, man, if, yeah, if it can work for you, maybe there is hope for me too. And note, as, as he goes through this, when Paul was talking, Paul is always very sure to make sure that Jesus is the hero of his testimony. He, he doesn't go and like, well, I did all this stuff and then I cleaned myself up, I got educated and I started hanging out with the right people and now I'm good. No. He is sure to give uh, Jesus, uh, what he rightly deserves. Jesus is the hero of the story. And as a matter of fact, Jesus should be the hero of all of our stories. Because not his own, not for, for ourselves that we're doing anything, but what Christ is doing through us. Years ago, a pastor named Matt Chandler, who, who pastors at the Village Church in Texas, he was uh, at a conference and he's known for this sermon uh, that has become very popular and he's, he's, he comes and talks about that, hey, the Bible is not about you. And he's very clear and, 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 and very, uh, he wants people to get this and really understand it. And he, he mentions how some people talk about the Bible and, and they talk about it being a guidebook. But ultimately, the, the Bible is about Jesus. 
ultimately, that's what we should get out of it. Ultimately, Jesus is the hero of this entire story. And many people have a habit of putting themselves in the midst of these the Bible stories that we see in Scripture. They want to put themselves in the place of Abraham and, and Moses and David. Matt Chandler says, you are not David. And your problems are not Goliath. And there was a hush over the crowd like, oh, wait, ah, I thought that was good. He says, you will read the Bible wrong if you read yourself into the stories and put yourself as the hero. And if you read the book of Hebrews, you'll see this along the way. The book of Hebrews is all about how Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater than David. Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is greater than Pastor Vaughn. Jesus is greater. And at that, brothers and sisters, is good news. So when we're telling our testimony, Jesus is the hero. He's the one that we should all be pointing toward because you know what? Jesus is greater than alcohol. Jesus is greater than drugs. Jesus is greater than your addictions. Jesus is greater than your sexuality. Jesus is greater than money. Jesus is greater than your career. Jesus is greater than your success. Jesus is greater than your comfort. Jesus is greater. I'm about to get some Baptocostal in here and just start hopping and shouting. Jesus is greater. That is, that is good news. How can we keep this message to ourselves? If you had a friend that was going to take their car to a place to get worked on, and you, you had a bad experience at that place, would you tell them about a better place? If they, they say, oh, I'm about to go to lunch and get some tacos, or I heard the tacos over here are pretty good. If you knew a better taco place, would you tell them? I hope so. I want to go get the good tacos. What if your friend said, I had a horrible day. Let's go to the bar and get drunk. I need to drown my sorrow. I need to forget about everything that's going on. What would you say? Some of y'all good Christians like, I don't go to bars. I don't, I don't drink. But wouldn't you want to tell them about something greater? Wouldn't you want to share what's better than that? Would you want to tell them about someone who's greater than their troubles? Would you want to tell them about someone that's greater than the liquor bottle that they're going to drown their sorrows in? Or maybe this is something you should be telling yourself. Instead of going and, and drowning your sorrows in whatever your vice is, cake and ice cream, whatever it is. Maybe you should be telling this to yourselves. We all need to be preaching the gospel to ourselves. Look what Jesus says to Paul in verse 16. He says, but rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and a witness to the things in which you have seen me and to do those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending, 
to open your eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive for forgiveness of sin and place those who are, are sacrificed by faith in me. Everybody needs this gospel message. And it starts with you. You got to get it first. You got to understand this gospel message. Remember who you used to be. Remember and remind yourself of your encounter with Christ and what that looked like. And remind yourself about who Christ is and what God has done for you in your life since then. Remember this and preach the gospel to yourself so that you can get it and you can share with others. We need to be reminded of the amazing benefits of embracing the gospel. We need to be honest about our own sinful condition as humans, as well as the amazing grace, the amazing grace that we just sang about a moment ago that's available to us because of who Jesus is. Get that for yourself and go tell others about it. Acts 26 and 22. It says, to this day I've had the help of that comes from God, and so I stand here testifying both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass, and uh, that Christ must suffer, and that by first being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. The, the only way for, for you and I to do anything in this life is because of who God is. It's the only way that we're able to do anything. Our help, our hope comes from God, and we need to be faithful servants. We need to be witnesses and share our testimony of who Jesus is. And verse 28 after Paul has said all this stuff, remember, he's, he's, give, he's supposed to be given a defense for himself, and he chooses to share the gospel because he wants to speak to the heart of King Agrippa. That's what matters most in that moment, not his, his own safety, but the, 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 the assurance for King Agrippa and what he's going to do with the rest of his life, what he's going to do and where he's going to spend the rest of eternity. That's what's most important. And Agrippa said to Paul in verse 28, in a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? I imagine he says this with a tone. Then he comes like, Who do you, what are you trying to do? I gave you a few minutes to talk, and I see what you're doing. I see you trying to convert me. Who, what do you think? You're you going to try to convert me in these few minutes we got? <laughs> Paul, Paul's a G. Paul says, whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become as I am, except for the chains. Like, look, I, hey, you give me a few minutes, you give me a few hours. My, not just you, Mr. Agrippa, but everybody under the sound of my voice, I wish they would be like me and be followers of Jesus. That's his goal. That's his aim. Just before this, Festus calls Paul crazy. 
And, 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 and none of this deters Paul. He goes on. And when we talk about Jesus, when we share the gospel, not everybody is going to be receptive. You're going to get called crazy too. Like, well, uh, you're not intelligent enough if you believe that Bible stuff. People have told me this. You're smarter than that, Vaughn. I can't believe that you would believe this stuff in the Bible. People are going to say the same things to you. But I hope that you'd be like Paul. Brothers and sisters, I want you to remember that God is the one that converts, not us. God is the one that is doing the work. Our goal is not conversion. Our goal is to be obedient and share the gospel. Our goal is to deliver the message about humanity's need for Jesus. That's your job. You're not responsible for the conversion. You leave that to God. Your job is to be obedient. You got the message. You got the testimony. Your job is to share it. That's your job. That's your role. And then so that we can be disciples who make disciples. Leave everything else to God and trust him for the results. We see here Paul is not phased by any of this stuff. And it doesn't matter how, what you say or how long it takes, but his hope that is that people that, that are there, people that hear, all the, everybody that's assembled there, his hope is that they will get to know Jesus. Paul says, I'm going to do my part. This is why I'm here. And I have the same prayer for us today. That, that we would draw courage from the Lord to share his message and that we will be obedient to that. If you're under the sound of my voice today and you do not follow Jesus, I would like for you to know that, that you were created in the image of God, that you are a sinner. And, and by human standards, you might be a good person, but that's not enough. But Jesus has already done the work. You are in need of God's salvation. And my desire is that you would come to know and understand the saving grace that is only experienced through our Savior. Romans 10 and 1 says, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they be saved. Paul goes on and in his letter to Timothy in 1 Timothy 2 and 1, it says, First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and for all who are in high positions, that they may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of of the truth. If you follow Christ, those of you here who have submitted yourself to Christ, I want to remind you of what Christ has done for you. Remember your homework. I want you to take this home. I want you to work on it. Take a break. Come back to it. I want you to, to get everything out on paper. I want you to put it in a succinct story where you can go and share it. Be audible ready with your testimony. This testimony comprised of who you were prior to Christ, who, uh, how you encountered Christ, and who you are 
who you have been since you submitted yourself to Christ. I want you to work on this. Matter of fact, I love to hear it. I love to hear your testimony. I, I don't want you to do this work and put it in a drawer, forget about it. If you need help working on it, I, I'd love to help you. Our deacons would love to help you so that we can get this ready. And I, I guarantee you, if you would do this work, then, then you would have more courage to go and, and share it with somebody. So they might be able to hear it. They might also be able to be encouraged. Work on this for the purpose of sharing it with others and telling them about how Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater than that life you left behind. Jesus is greater than any of the struggles that you have today in your own life. Jesus is greater than anything that you will pour yourself into to try to avoid all the, the challenges that you have coming in front of you. Jesus is greater. And I want you to be ready to tell the world that they can have the same hope. They can experience the same grace. The same grace that affected Paul's life. The same Holy Spirit that was at work with him is in work with us today so that we can go and share the good news, that we can look forward to spending forever and eternity with him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, let's take this seriously here today. Uh, give us an opportunity to, to sit and reflect on, on our lives and who, who we were Give us a reminder of the intervention that you had in our own lives and where we really got to experience and to know who you are for us and what you've done for us. And at that pivotal moment in our lives where we made a decision to follow you. Continues to remind us of, uh, of uh, your handiwork even here today. Help us to see the fingerprints on everything that we have in our lives one, for ourselves, so that we can get it and be preaching the gospel to ourselves, but two, so that we can go share it with others that they might be encouraged as well. Father, we just thank you so much for your goodness, your mercy, and your grace. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.